0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the Like a Dance Boss podcast. My name's Jess, and firstly, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning into season one of this show. I had a great time chatting with studio owners from around Australia, mostly in Melbourne, because due to COVID 19, I know I'm not going to say that word again but we were closed for seven months. So it was a really nice time to sit down, even though it was on Zoom, um, and have a chat with studio owners about how they were coping with COVID, the ups and downs of their studio and their story about how their studio um, even came about in the first place and how it's evolved. So I know that you're enjoying those stories and please um, keep an eye on the podcast and subscribe so that you know when the next season is due to come out. Until then, I've got a sneaky, Additional Season of episodes for you. This is a quick and easy um, how-to guide, I guess, on how to rebuild your studio post-COVID, post-pandemic. I can't believe I already said the C-word again. I apologize. I'm going to try and not mention it for the rest of the episode. I'm trying to not say that and not say Zoom. Um But yeah, tune in. It's just five episodes and I'm going to talk you through my process of how I rebuilt my studio. I am very proud, I guess, to say that I've got over 400 students enrolled now. Um, So I started last year before we closed for lockdown, we had 450 students enrolled plus we still had inquiries and free trials booked in for our closure time that never got to actually attend. When we went online, we only ever had up to 130 students max, um, which doesn't sound like a great number of students attending our classes online, but I didn't push it. It wasn't something that myself or my staff were extremely passionate about. We were passionate about providing that service for those who wanted it, but by no means did we value a student because they did online classes or they didn't. So 130 students worked. We didn't run a full timetable. We ran a timetable that worked for those 130 students. So with that in mind and you know, gov- government um, financial assistance, we were able to stay afloat um, and then when we reopened in term four, again, we still only really had 130 kids um, come back in person to do classes. So going from a studio that usually has around 500 to 550 enrollments in the middle of the year to 130 was a shock. And I did spend a lot of time being stressed about the um, large amount of students that were not actually Um, in the studio because, you know, are they going to return? Have they moved on now? Will dance still be something um, that they want to pursue? Will the parents be able to continue dance financially? So, yeah, of course I was stressed and I knew that I would be rebuilding the studio, whether it meant I would be um, getting previous past students to return to us or whether it was new students coming, um, I didn't really know. But yeah, I was certainly on a mission over the summer break to streamline my processes, simplify simplify everything for myself, the staff, the students, the parents. I acknowledge that there was a pandemic. I also acknowledge that there is an aftermath of that. And by no means did I think it was appropriate to run the studio this year the same way that I've run it many years before, um, because of a few reasons we need to be adaptable because who knows when we're going to be open closed, like we've already closed for five days. Um, and it's only the start of March. Um, and also I'm aware that some families are under more pressure. They may be working more hours. They may have less finances available. And also families just may not want to be as busy as they were pre pandemic because they value that family time that they got during, um, lockdown and they still want a little slice of that. They want to keep a slice of lockdown in their normal new life post-lockdown. So yeah, I guess that's a little bit of uh, my mentality behind where I want to be or my goals for this year. Um, We started probably in January only with about 100 or so enrollments. I was still a little concerned. Um, And then by the time term one started, we were back to 300 students, which was amazing. My goal was to have 300 students enrolled by the end of week one, which I achieved. Um, And then my goal for the end of term one was to have um, 400 students enrolled, which we have already achieved too. And there's still four or so weeks left. Um, That doesn't mean that I want to now enroll another hundred students in the next month. Um, I'm really happy with 400 students in our studio. We could probably um, max out at 450, but we'll just see how it goes. So the main point of episode one is to talk about how I dealt with new inquiries, how I get people, I guess, to reach out to me, how I deliver information to them and things like that. The next episode will be more focused on how I communicated or reached out and re-enrolled students from the past. So I enrolled 100 new students in the month of February in four weeks. So 25 brand new students per week, and that's what we're talking about um, in this episode. So how did they come about? How did they get in contact? Well, I open a lot of avenues of communication for them. We have Facebook, Instagram. We have the website. If you Google, my studio appears in the search. Um, I have a little bit of street frontage. like We are just off the main road, but if you pull into the service station, you see us. Um, So I have signage there. I also have word of mouth, of course. And then there's also um, reaching out to my universe as well. Like I've got a lot of friends who now have kids who are the age um, to enroll in dance classes. And there was also past students um, who have children now, which is crazy because I'm only <laughs> just still a new mum myself. So it kind of messes with my mind a little bit that my baby students are now having babies of their own. Um, So I would encourage you to open as many avenues as possible. I think that everyone's different. And even though you might be trying to attract a certain type of parent or a certain type of family to your studio, they don't all operate the same. I have a great bunch of parents say in this one particular class, but some of them may prefer to find things on Facebook and some may prefer a Google search and some um, may prefer to chat to a friend to find out about things. So even though you have a target market, I don't think that the way that they find you is necessarily the same. So if you don't already, of course, I would go ahead and set up your Facebook um, and make it easy for parents to message you. A lot of your posts should have a call to action on them. So rather than saying, you know, check out our Thursday jazz class, you know, check out our Thursday jazz class. If your child is five to seven years old, please give us a call on this number. So there's lots of ways that you can be reminding or asking people to get in touch with you rather than just putting your information out. To them. Um, I guess you kind of call it vomiting um, info at them. Um, On Instagram the same thing I have stories that have swipe up features you know swipe up to visit our website or here's our phone number if you want to call. So you may already have these platforms but the way that you use them um, might be the difference between having one person contact you or three people contact you from a particular post. Um, if you do have street frontage, then of course, chuck your A-frame sign out, chuck some balloons up, um, reopening date signs, things just to build a little bit of excitement and grab a bit of attention from those who may be walking by or driving past. Um, to be honest, most of my enrollments and not necessarily inquiries, but most of my new enrollments came through Google um, and headed to the website or came through word of mouth. So even though I do receive a lot of inquiries on Instagram, not a lot, but a decent amount of inquiries on Facebook and Instagram, I'm aware that a lot of those inquiries don't necessarily convert to an enrollment, sometimes parents on Facebook, um are interested in my studio, but they don't necessarily end up enrolling. And then on Instagram, a lot of the inquiries tend to be from kids and students. And so they may be interested, but you know, if you're a teenager, you've also got to go through your parents to enroll. So I find that most of my inquiries that come through the website and word of mouth, they inquire, they try, they join. Through Facebook and Instagram, I feel that they inquire, sometimes they trial, and then sometimes they join. So I think it is important to maybe just have a quick think about that um, because even if you have a great ad on Facebook and you're like, oh my gosh, like 25 people message me from this ad, that is great. But if you're attracting the wrong type of person or the type of person that's not necessarily interested in your school and your values, um, then you don't want to be wasting money boosting those posts on Facebook or spending that time going back and forth with people if your school's not going to be the right fit for them. I guess what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, you need to weigh up how much time and effort and money it's worth. Um, advertising to receive inquiries from those who may not actually end up enrolling in your studio. It can feel exciting to have lots of people message you on Facebook, Um, but if only three out of 20 of them register, then was it actually worth the time and energy and money? Um, spent you could be spending that time and effort and energy on those who are actually within your studio community um, rather than just obtaining these potential um, customers for your school I think you know about myself and my scrolling habits and if I'm scrolling and I see, you know, gymnastics classes pop up, and there's a photo of a little kid that I think, yeah, like I've got a little kid. Perhaps she'd be interested. I click on it. I have a read. Um, I might even click through to the website and check out fees or timetable. But at the end of the day, I wasn't actually looking for gymnastics classes, and I wasn't actually that interested. And when I am interested. I'm probably not just going to casually scroll Facebook to find a gymnastics club for my daughter. I'm going to Google and look properly or I'm going to chat to friends who live in the same area and find out where they go. So that's just something to think about. Um, I too enjoy a good Facebook boosted post or a targeted ad and I enjoy um, the attention that it can bring but It does feel um, like I've perhaps veered off track if I spend two weeks um, going back and forth with those inquiries when they don't register. um, And I kind of at the end of it go, well, just, you know, you were reaching out to people who may or may not be interested in dance classes. So what do you expect? Where if I spend my time and energy, Um, getting people to come through the website or come and land on my website page because they were Googling because they were genuinely interested in finding dance classes for their child, well, that's time and money and energy much better spent, which is interesting. Um, So... It can be a mess, so once you go ahead and go, great, people can now contact me in five different ways. I'm encouraging new inquiries on all these platforms. You have to have a process to streamline that process because it gets mad. There's no way that you can be keeping up on Instagram messages, Facebook messages, and emails Um All at the same time and it's not productive to be hopping from platform to platform when you're working. I'm a big fan of sitting down and opening one window on your computer and just working within that window. So as soon as I can, I get new inquiries into my email inbox. I just use Gmail so it's nothing um, too crazy or unique. Um, but if they email, they straight away get um, labels and tags attached to their emails so that I know who they are. They're a new inquiry, or there's someone that I'm going back and forth with, or there's someone who are registering for a free trial, or they have registered for a free trial. So every inquiry in my inbox does have a label or a tag on it to show me what level they're at. Um, in their inquiring process. If I receive a message on Instagram or Facebook, as soon as I can, I ask for their email address so that I can then email them from my Gmail inbox, send them the info that they need and label and tag them. So everyone is now in the inbox. I can see everyone who inquired today, the day before, the day before that. I also add notes to my emails so that I can see that this particular person actually messaged for the first time on Facebook. So if I'm struggling to hear back from them via email and I don't have their phone number, I might go back to that Facebook message and say, hey, just wanted to reach out, see if you've received my emails. Um, and then quite often they write straight back because obviously Facebook is their preferred um, app on their phone, for example, and that's just the best way to communicate with them. About so that. I've got the inquiries, but what am I saying to these parents or students or adults who are inquiring. So I have a lot of templates. It doesn't mean that I'm sending everybody a robotic answer to their email, but it does help um, me and avoid me getting <laughs> sore hands from typing um, like at a crazy speed. So I have templates for a few reasons because my um, spelling and grammar is already checked. I can be consistent with all of my inquiries and they can receive a similar response whether it's a similar um, tone or similar amount of information it means that I save time trying to find um, links if I'm sending a link to my info sheet or anything like that those links are already in there and also it just saves time it's more efficient to then paste a blurb into the email um that I'm composing and then I can just tweak it from there and I can add their name or add um, something relevant that we were speaking about so I have my templates ready to go for their first um, email if they messaged on Facebook there's a slightly different template to say look hey Thanks so much for messaging on Facebook. Here is the info that you would like. And so all those templates are ready to go. I don't need to type anything up from scratch because I've already thought about the avenues that they're going to contact me um, through. And then I've got those templates ready to send back. Now, I don't send an enrollment pack. I think that is a crazy, crazy thing to do. I'm a mum. If I was going to inquire about um, karate lessons for my daughter and they sent me a 32-page handbook I would feel that it wasn't quite relevant to me like I don't really care about what they're going to do in six months because I don't even know if she wants to do it past 20 minutes so maybe just have a think about that I know that info packs are amazing and I have info packs but they don't come yet I have an info sheet it's just a one page a4 info sheet and it just says the main things that people want to know where are the studio classes? When are the classes? How much are the fees? Is there a uniform? Are there are there concerts? Are there competitions? Can I do a free trial? So just the main things that people want to know. It's called an info sheet. I attach that and then I also attach the timetable. I let them know which age group they should be looking for and then I also usually list a couple of classes that might be relevant to them because I know sometimes timetables can seem a little overwhelming. Now, if the new inquiry is an experienced dance parent, then by all means, send the info pack. If someone says, you know, I've got two daughters, they're 10 and 12, they've been dancing for five years, we've just moved to the area, they do competitions, we're really interested, then they don't need the info sheet. She wants the juicy stuff. She wants the term dates, the uniform, the competition dates, the concert information. Um, what syllabus do we do for ballet? So by all means, send the info pack if the parent wants it. Sometimes I'll send the info sheet and I will say, look, that's great. Thanks so much. Sounds perfect. Um, I see that there's a uniform. Could you send me more information about that? Well, then yes, I send them the info pack because they're ready and keen for more information. I find if I send the info pack too soon, it's a little overwhelming and they can't quite navigate their way through it because they haven't got their head around it yet. They've never even been to the studio or they've never taken their child to dance. And so a lot of the information um, isn't quite relevant yet. Okay, so the next step is hearing back. So if I don't hear back within three days, I usually send a friendly reminder email three days later just to touch base and say, look, hey, it was great sending you the information on Monday. Thanks for calling. Just wanted to follow up and see if you had any more questions. Now, I would encourage you to tread lightly. You don't need to be a salesman here. If they want to join your studio, I really believe that they will and they're obviously interested because they reached out to you. So I would encourage you to say words, use words like, um, let me know if you have any questions. Let me know if you would like to try a class for free. If you'd prefer me to give you a call, I'm more than happy to give you a call to chat further. I don't think it's um, the best thing to say I haven't heard from you please tell me if you want to enroll. They don't know if they want to enroll. They don't know you, they don't know the school, and they don't know the class. So if you are going to send a follow-up, I would just keep it friendly and relaxed and offer more information and more help, more so than offering um, for them to book in. Um, If I don't hear back after that email email, Within seven days, I would usually get one of my girls in the office to give them a call and just reach out that way. They might be really busy. They might have missed the emails. The email might be in the junk folder. So a phone call is a great way to reach out and just see if they need any help and to ensure that they did get that information. Also, you get an immediate response. So straight away, we can tell over the phone if they're really keen, but they've just been busy or they're not keen or um, any other option there. So if they're not interested, I pop them into my ghosted inquiries email folder and I might add them to a mailing list or reach out to them the next term or the next year. That's okay. If the parent or student gets back to me within... um you know, 24, 48 hours, that's usually a great sign. And we then send them back a link to register for a free trial class. They come and do the free trial. At the end of the trial, we try and touch base with them in person, but we also give the child a colouring sheet. And on the back of the colouring sheet, it says, thanks for trialling the class. We'd love for you to join. Um, Here is the information to jump online and register, or please call us if you have any questions, things like that. If they um, love the class and got the colouring sheet and want to enrol and they're tech savvy, they do usually jump online and register. Um, but quite often they don't. And that's okay. I usually follow up with an email a day later just to say, I hope you enjoyed the class. Again, would you like any information? Did you have any questions? Otherwise, if you're ready to enrol, I can help you with that process too. I find that most times, 9 out of 10 times, they'll register for their trial after receiving that email. And then, like I said before, I leave a three days. Give them three days if I haven't heard. Send a friendly reminder email. Um, and then if we get to almost a week and we're due for that class to run again a week later, we would usually give them a call the day before to say, look, the class is back on tomorrow. We'd love for you to join. Did you want to join? Um... Otherwise, you know, unfortunately we'll have to give your spot to someone else who's on the wait list. Um, now it did get really stressful at the start of the year because we had wait lists and one spot left in classes. And we couldn't really afford to wait a week if someone wasn't interested. So in that case, we did have a 48 hour rule where we'll hold your spot in the class for 48 hours after your trial. If you don't enroll, we'll have to offer that spot to someone else. Um, I found that worked really well. I think most parents were okay with that. We were really upfront with, you know, a reminder that your trial's tomorrow and after your trial, we'll be able to hold your spot for 48 hours. So that was okay. Um... So yeah, that's kind of the process of how I reach out to parents or prospective parents, how I receive their inquiries, how I process those inquiries and how they lead to a free trial. I am going to do an episode a little later about free trials. Um, So that was just kind of scratching the surface. But I hope that helped and maybe got your brain ticking a little bit about thinking about your processes and making things easier for you as well as making things easier for parents. Now if you feel like you're not receiving enough inquiries for this time of year or for the area that you're in then of course you can look at advertising and marketing. I haven't been doing too much of that because I want to be really good at what I do. I am concerned that if I advertise too much too quickly and I don't um, cope well with the workload of all of those new inquiries or I can't be a great um, responder to those inquiries, then I will lose them and they won't feel valued. And so that's the last thing I want to do. So by all means, if you want to ramp up those inquiries, you can be boosting more Facebook posts and doing more advertising and running more marketing campaigns but I would just make sure that you're ready for them are you ready to be able to respond to everyone within 24 hours are you ready to cope with um, that many free trials that are happening in a week Um, so that's just some food for thought I will do another episode um, for this series of five Um, to talk more about some advertising tips and tricks and some marketing ideas for your studio. There are so many things that we can be doing to um, get more students in the door and to spread the word about our studio. So I hope that helped and please keep reaching out. I love hearing from you and stay tuned for the next ep. I will have it ready soon.